Hey, pal. Why so down? Oh, SDCC regrets, huh? Well, this will make you feel better because you're listening to episode number 75 of the Action Figure Blues podcast for the week of Wednesday, the 31st of July. I'm John, and with me tonight are... Adam. And Ben. This episode's brought to you by the Pop Culture Superstore and ActionFigureBlues.com. Tonight, we are having a three-way rapid-fire review, and we are going to also present an interview with G.I. Joe collector extreme Gary Godso from the Coil Club, talking about their upcoming Midwest Coil Con for G.I. Joe collectors. Good evening, gentlemen. How are you all doing? Most excellent. Thank you very much. I'm well apart from self-inflicted injuries. So none none of you went out drinking last night and maybe had, you know, one beer too many and, you know, couldn't make it on the show or anything, right? Well, whether I did or didn't, the fact that I'm here is, you know, speaks for itself, unlike some members of the podcast team. Yeah, there's a level of professionalism, right? That's it. That's it. Well, you can you can drink more than one beer and you know make it to the show. So I'm very proud of you. <laughs> very proud of you, um, Adam. I haven't talked yes. to you in a while. Yeah, I've been? been away for ages. I've been good. Um, I I finally got my my new car about three weeks ago. So that's awesome. Excellent. What'd you get? What'd you get? Hyundai i thirty Premium. Nice. Like it? Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Um, I've got one problem with it so far, but that'll get fixed when I get my um complimentary, you know, first nonsense service. <laughs> but um otherwise it's really good. Sweet. So you brought a bought a brand new car. Yes. Good on you. Yeah, good mm. for you. Everybody should do that once. <laughs> yeah, well this is the second time I've done it, so you know, I like stimulating the economy apparently. Yeah, apparently. Well done. Hmm. So now you can motor around and find all the good toy sales, right? Uh yeah, if there were any in Adelaide, but <laughs> what about you, Ben? You've been motoring around the countryside. No, been the opposite. Actually, been very, very busy at work, which has uh, limited my capacity to do other things. Um, though I did have a good laugh, thanks to the guys over at uh, the Geek Dudes podcast. The whole uh, Lego versus Lego thing has spilled over um, <laughs> into their podcast, and there was there was much discussion going on. And uh, yeah, the, the guys were pretty funny. And I think you know, well, other than Chris revealing his secret shame of his father being born in Adelaide, um, <laughs> I think I could probably summarise his uh, his whole conversation. Uh, he, he basically said that I needed a pay rise, so that was that was sweet of him. So thanks, guys. <laughs> Oh, that's, that's that's good. I I missed that one. I'm gonna have to. I I've been trying to catch up on all the back episodes I have, and um, I need to go in and update some feeds and stuff, and I need to add them in because I listen to one of their episodes. They're pretty funny guys. They are. They are. Good value. Good value. Uh, yeah. How's your week been? I went and got fingerprinted this week. 
as, as you do. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hope it wasn't attached to uh, any crime of consequence. No, 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 nothing like that. But um, I was really disappointed because uh, apparently, like everything else in this world, it's gone digital now. Mm. So, um, you know, there was no ink. You know, there, there was no little 10 card. You, know, you just kind of pop your fingers on a scanner and do it. Ah, okay. But when I when I got there, um, the girl was about an hour. She said her computer had been down, and there was like seven people ahead of me in line. Oh, well, I actually had a set an appointment for a certain time, so I was a little irked, hmm. and it took me about an hour of sitting there past my appointment time. Jeez. So what, what was this as a consequence of? Um, I'm working on getting a gun permit. So Ah, cool. Yeah, they got to go and you got to go and prove that you're not crazy. Yeah, well, not that, just that you don't have a criminal background. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> they check those things out apparently. Well, we'll take that as a reminder to be a lot kinder to you. Yeah. Well, let's see if I do something bad now, I'll get caught because they have my fingerprints well, in the exactly system. Right. That's something we don't have to do here. Really? So, no. Not really. really? Nope. What do we do? Oh, jeez, I've had my gun license for so long I've actually forgotten, but um, I bought a new firearm in, what was it, October last year, and it was really just a matter of filling out a form and showing some ID and then waiting a month for them to do 15 minutes of paperwork. Okay. Um, you had to wait a, did you have to wait a month to get it? Or? Yeah, yeah. Well, you wait a month before the bay. Oh, wow. The, before they'll approve it. Well, see, you fill out the form here, and uh, they run it on a computer thing, and it comes. You, you just go get it that same, you know, half hour later. Oh no, no, much different here. Huh. Hmm. Well, interesting. There you go. See, so this, <laughs> that's this week in uh, international uh, gun laws. If uh, anybody's listening, and assorted culture, and assorted culture, mm. and car buying. Yep. Yeah, well, that's fascinating. So, anyway, well, we got a bunch of news to get to, so let's get on with the show. Now you can have your own special Captain Planet adventure with your favorite planeteers. There's Wheeler, who has the power of fire, and the daring Linka with the power of wind. You can even use the planeteers' eco cycle, and your own power rings will let you call Captain Planet. To the rescue and save the Earth. Captain Planet and the Planeteers, now available at Kmart. You know, before we get to all the, the cool, fun stuff that we like to talk about, we like to present some news to you guys and tell you what's going on in the world. And, you know, last week was all about SDCC, but, you know, there's a lot of other stuff going on out there in the toy world. We're not going to tell you about it all. Um, we'll tell you about the things that we heard and caught our ear and, you know, Maybe just kind of things that we like. But, you know, you guys should like them, too. <laughs> anyway, kicking us off this week is Mr. Adam. So, Mr. Adam. Yep. So, the first thing I've got is um, Mattel clarifying what happens with the various subs if they don't hit marks and blah, blah, blah. So, um, we can all rest easily that we're going to get screwed um, based off the... The thermometer, apparently, it's 100% accurate, and it's not a scare tactic, <laughs> uh, believe it or not. Now, uh, 
and they've also said, you know, essentially if, if the meter isn't hit, the four figures that are already tooled up um, will be released quarterly, maybe something at SDCC. Um, after that, that's it. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. That was pretty interesting. I thought it was um, a bit sad that it was just so blunt that if, if the next, say, DC sub doesn't go ahead, then that'll be it for good. Like, basically, this is definitely a year-by-year thing, and uh, if they don't get there, then uh, we could say, you know, that's that's the end of DC Universe Classics as we know it. Yeah. Right. Which, you know, having said that, I still haven't actually hit the button. I'm, I'm still on the fence uh, about whether to, to go ahead with a sub, but... Know. See how we go. If that's the mob and moves a little bit more, I might consider it. But, um, well, but, but then we wouldn't have Infernal Crisis mentioned. I know. Well, no. Well, you know, if it goes ahead and I don't get a sub, then you know, Scott can, uh, you know, hold his sub head high. But um, my biggest concern at the moment is I just don't want to get stuck with the first Doomsday figure. I'm really excited to have the Doomsday out of the containment suit and the idea of committing to the you know the 12 figure sub and getting stuck with that first doomsday doesn't thrill me particularly much so um so i'll I'll hold in there a bit longer and to be honest if it doesn't go ahead i don't think i'd be too disappointed um yeah so that was interesting um what else we got we've got the uh announcement of the spider-man max factory figma figure um so this is unfortunately for me um the amazing spider-man movie costume um, rather than the traditional red and blue, because I think if it was traditional red and blue, I would pull my pants down, bend over, and hand them my money. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a it's another good looking figure. It's you know, it's a Max Factory um, body, so there should be no real complaints that I can think of. What what's with the fourth picture in the link you guys sent? Yeah, I've got nothing. <laughs> I assume it's, you know, if you wanted to make it look like it'd been tied up or something, but... It's like bondage, Spider-Man. Yeah, pretty much. Anyway, moving on from that, uh, we get into the SH Figure Arts announcements, and amazingly for once, this isn't all Dragon Ball Z from me. Um, the first one is, uh, which is that we've now been uh, now seen pictures of um, Artificial Human, or for the people watching the sub, um, Android. 17, um, which we hadn't seen before, I don't believe. We've seen 18 before, which is who he's posed with, so that is fine, that makes sense. Um, given how long it takes from to release some of these or announce them, I'd assume we're not going to see an announcement date for him for a year or two, though. So, uh, I mean, Krillin was revealed maybe last year sometime and only got... Um, Announced date sometime this year. Um, they've still got um, normal Goku that they've shown over a year ago that they haven't announced yet. I don't think they've announced 18 yet. But, um, yeah, and she's been revealed for over a year as well. So don't expect everything to happen at once there. Um, we've got Sharon, so the dragon from Dragon Ball uh, and Dragon Ball Z. Um, they've shown a, I assume, figure arts figure of him i would assume considering that he looks somewhat articulated that it's not going to be a figure out zero so how uh, does he scale up given that he's an, i mean i'm not that familiar with the character but given that he's a dragon what what sort of scale should he actually be uh 
Well, those figure art zeros are probably more or less a figure art-ish kind of scale that he's in the same picture as. Um, so one of those would probably be, at a guess, about the size of one of the spines on his back. Oh, okay. So that... It's massively out of scale. So it's the try, try to include the figure so people can have one, but we can't possibly do it in appropriate scale. Yeah, correct. Mm. That thing is going to be impossible to display, it looks like. Yeah. Don't they come with lots of those little plastic stands to sort of, you know, hold things in place? It'd have to. Mm. But are the, how are you, those? How you, I don't understand how you do it without doing, like, the level thing that they've got in that photo. Mm. They almost need to have a taller stand or something with it. But it looks like even the curl, like he's supposed to be sitting differently or something. Yeah. Like It's not going to look right. But are, are, looks, are those looks, whiskers? Yep. Oh, that's crazy. I thought that was a piece of green string going across the... <laughs> oh, that'll be his whiskers. Wow, so, those are huge. Yeah. I don't know how the hell that's going to work. I can only assume it's going to hit my wallet a fair amount. But... <laughs> so you're interested in this figure? Yeah. Well, I mean, being, you know, OCD collection person for Dragon Ball Z in this line, I'm, I can't see that I won't. I'm not going to get things like the um, the Piccolo re-release that's the anime colours rather than the manga colours, but that's just because I don't care that much for a couple of paint differences. And the final thing that I had that's uh, figure arts related is um, the Sailor Senshi, or for other people that aren't aware of them by that name, the Sailor Moon Girls, are um, they've shown sculpts for, I think, four of them so far. Um, we've already seen Sailor Moon and I think she's already released um, they've shown a coloured version of Venus already but they're now showing uh, I think it's Mars and Jupiter so I guess uh, the fact that they're willing to show us um, the sculpts um, I assume that they're going to go ahead and do the whole lot because uh, I, I can't believe that you would go and make a sculpt that detailed without going ahead with the figure. So I guess for Sailor Moon fans, this is all win then. Mm. I always feel pervy looking at Sailor Moon stuff. <laughs> <laughs> is it because you're always looking up the skirts? or No, no, I just, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> just do. Fair enough. <laughs> there you go. Uh, well, that's all from me. So Very good. All right. Well, I will fill in some news here. Um and I didn't have my tabs ready, much to somebody's amazement, I'm sure. Uh, the first thing I wanted to bring up was um, Harmony Gold is suing Hasbro over their SDCC set. So if you manage to get that Transformers G.I. Joe set, uh, you might have something that you want to hold on to. Because um, Harmony Gold is the, I guess, rights owner to uh, Macross. Mm-hmm. And... One of the original molds they used for Transformers was uh, Macross mold, and that was for Jetfire. And what had happened was it doesn't look like they cleared all the rights for that, and the toy they made was a little too close. And they said, no, no, you're infringing. Uh, you always hear stories of people suing people for the sake of it, but I didn't even know that Harmony Gold was still in existence. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh... I, did. I didn't either. Well, they're obviously been busy, you know, promoting their product. I assume it's like one guy in an office, right, that just <laughs> handles all the ongoing licensing rights. <laughs> oh, someone else wants to make another Macross version. Oh, okay. Well, here's how much the rights will cost. 
<laughs> Do you, have you guys watched Flight of the Concords? Uh, no. Once or twice. I'm just picturing that, you know, just that office, <laughs> like with the New Zealand consulate. I'm just picturing the <laughs> guy in that little room in the back corner. Anyway. Yeah, it's like some kind of Monty Python sketch, you know, yeah. waiting to happen. Yeah, good uh, luck with that Harmony Gold. Yeah, I just, you know, it, it goes back to, like, the early days of G.I. Joe and Transformers. And Transformers had a lot of that where they pulled from other lines to come up with a, a single line here in the States. And um, so, but, yeah, and, and they want them to uh, remove any remaining toys from sa- for sale, which I doubt that there are any. Uh, unsold stock to be turned over to them, which probably isn't going to happen. Mm. And and lots of money and damage. Because what did they okay. say in there? Exemplary damages in an amount sufficient enough to punish and make them a public example of Hasbro and deter future wrongful conduct. Yeah. <laughs> I, I bet I know who's got more money. Yeah. Yeah, I, I bet I do too. Uh, you know, the thing is, is that set was announced way, way before, so I don't know if they'd been listening to our show, they would have known that. <laughs> um, anyway, on to some happier stuff. There's something from SDCC that I hadn't seen, and that was the company uh, 3.0 um, is doing one-six-scale Walking Dead figures. And what they showed at SDCC was uh, Michonne's Pets yeah. and a Daryl Dixon. And I have to say, these are fairly impressive-looking figures. Yeah. The, the Daryl looks... Darn, you know, just uh, oh, I'm yeah. not sorry. I'm sorry. It's not Daryl. It's it's Merle. Oh, I have my Dixon brothers confused. <laughs> this is you had your Dixons backwards. That's right. <laughs> um, this yeah. is actually Woods Company. Yes, three A. I thought they called three zero for some reason here, but maybe that's just an, an offshoot of three A or something like that. But good to see him expanding his licenses. Yeah, and that's kind of what caught my eye. I, you know, they had like a teaser image of the the pets with the the gas mask logo on it. And I was like, "What the hell is that?" Hmm. And the uh, the pets look fantastic, but uh, the the Merle. You know, now that I stand corrected, he he looks pretty pretty darn pretty darn spot on. So uh, I hope this has got some legs. I mean, you know, if they're one six scale, I mean, actually, wood stuff's not cheap. So if you're going to commit to this, you know, it'd be fun to sort of get the whole crew. Well, and it's nice to see a higher end. Walking Dead, you know, type figure because uh, you know there's not a whole lot of them out there. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that male's going to come with a swap out arm. I wonder if he'll have different attachments for it. You know, yeah, <laughs> like like spork attachment and That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, maybe maybe not. Yeah, we'll we'll see. Awesome. And um, next up, because I always have to mention Funko stuff when I'm on, uh, they are doing some special. Um, 20th anniversary Nightmare Before Christmas figures, and what they've done is taken Jack and Sally and done them in uh, Dea de Muertos or Day of the Dead type styling. So uh, very, you know, they're 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 creepy and kind of cool and funky at the same time. So uh, dead characters up as dead people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Quick question: Have you guys seen um, A Nightmare Before Christmas? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Did you enjoy it? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's all right. Yeah, it's all right. So, quick question. It, it's all right. Why is this thing still spawning tons of merchandise? I, I think there are some just really hardcore fans out there. 
there before. There must be an awful lot of them because the merchandise just keeps on coming. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know. That's a good question. Mm. I mean, I've only got the, the one Jack Skellington, you know, little yeah. uh, minifigure, but uh, yeah, it, you're right. It does just kind of keep coming. And oh, I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I can understand it for some licenses, but this one just sort of baffles me a little bit. It, it, it's like sort of getting stuff for Finding Nemo forever. Yeah, but we mm. do. I mean, if any, any Disney property, they kind of try and keep it alive, you know? Mm. In, in this one, more than any others, they, they probably have a harder time doing that because, you know, it's not like you can have Jack Skellington walking around the park uh, in Florida. <laughs> that would be hilarious. <laughs> uh, from what I understand, it's actually quite big in Japan, so maybe that's, that's where the longevity's mm. coming from. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. I, I could see that. I could see that for sure. And I just added something here that just a few minutes ago that I don't think the you boys have seen. Uh, Figures Toy, Figures Toy, must be the name of the company, um, showed factory samples of an Evil Knievel and some Conan cards where it looks like they're doing Mego style figures for them. Yeah, yeah, I was having a bit of a look. This is—I uh, have no interest whatsoever in Evil Knievel, but as a Conan fan, it certainly piqued my curiosity. Yeah, it looks like there's a couple of different Conan figures because uh, it does. It looks like there's Solomon Kane and also um, Color Conqueror. Yeah. yeah, but great art. If that's really the cards they're going to use. Yeah, I was quite impressed too. Yeah, I'll I mean, keep an eye out for these. I, now, see, I was actually more interested in Evil Knievel because I had one of those little bendy figures as a. As a kid, so uh, yeah, I, I had one. So I had something that evil can evil, but uh, I don't know. I've seen interviews with the guy, and he's a bit of an ass. Yeah, yeah. It's not surprising, really. Are they going to have a bike that you can put him on? Or are you going to have to go and source like another it. bike? It, it looks like you'd have to get your own. Yeah. And those vintage bikes wouldn't fit him either, because those were all—they weren't eight inch. They were more like five inch, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if, like, all his joints can dislocate. <laughs> well, he's, he's Miko, so if he's Miko-style body, he should be able to. God, does least. that mean that we should get an Albie Mangle one as well? <laughs> his extras could be like a neck brace. <laughs> and That'd his be dog. Awesome. That'd be awesome. Okay, well, moving on to something a little more serious. Uh, Hot Toys has announced kind of an... And this is kind of along the same line. Um, we're getting a, a crow hot toy figure. This is another one of those properties that maybe is hung around and we get merchandise from time to time for. Um, you know, as Hot Toys is, does, I mean, they don't do anything halfway in this one. <laughs> it, it looks pretty cool. That sculpt is superb. Mm-hmm. Like, that is just absolutely dead on. And he comes with a little crow on a stand. Yeah, he's got his guitar and... So we'll swap out hands. That's that's an impressive piece, and, and it came out of nowhere as well. Like there was, there was sort of one day there was a, um, I think on Facebook they had a sort of a, a promo shot from behind where you couldn't quite tell who it was, and the next day it was out there in all its glory. I would have, if I saw the promo picture after I saw the figure, but I think I probably would have guessed it because mm. um, it looked pretty. It looked like the the movie poster. I thought. Yeah. 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 
Very cool. Now, are they remaking that? There's always talk of it every few years, yeah. at least. I don't know. I don't, doesn't, yeah. I don't doesn't look it. like there's anything on the horizon for it, but yeah. It, nice figure. I, hmm. But again, I don't know, you know, are people clamoring for Crow merchandise? I don't know. Maybe that means that, that little bit of legacy. Yeah. You think it's the goth kids. <laughs> it always seemed to be back in the day. That will waste into it. All right. Well, I've got some news as well, strangely enough. And the first bit of news that I've got is actually a pretty big one, and that is that the the master of all things sculpting, Tim Bruckner, has announced his retirement. Um, It might seem a little bit odd. You'd sort of wonder why someone who's so uh, well-regarded in the industry would consider retiring, but... Uh, Tim mentioned in his press release that he's been in the business now for 44 years and uh, it's time to sort of step down. So he's said that he will continue to take on the odd commission, um, but certainly you know, if you've got any interest in uh, superhero statues or action figures, particularly anything from DC, you would most certainly have something from Mr. Bruckner in your collection. And, um, yeah, good luck to him. Like he's... Uh, Certainly left a, a pretty impressive legacy behind for um, all us pop culture collectors. Hmm. If you're an artist like that, how do you really retire? You know? Yeah, I just assume that it's a, a case of you, you don't really sort of settle into contracts with people to produce, say, 12 figures. It's really just sort of those one-off jobs that come along every now and then. I believe Harry, Ray Harryhausen did much the same thing. Well, I mean, I, I can understand that with, you know, somebody in movies where, you know, they're going to have to do a whole bunch of work and, you know, it's a commitment to it. But, I mean, if he's working at his own pace, wouldn't you just kind of phase out and, oh, I'm only going to do, you know, one figure for you this year or something? Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, good luck to him. He's uh, certainly one of the best in the biz. I know um, both Scott and I are very keen to get him on the show one of these days, so... But uh, we always wanted to make it just the, the right episode to get him on, and that's something we'll continue to pursue. And maybe now in his retirement, he's got time for such things. Yeah, maybe. Hmm. Hmm. All right, well, moving on. Uh, some more figure arts news. It seems like quite a bit of figure arts uh, in the last week or so, but we've got both a uh, Predator and an Alien figure arts figure, and uh, they look pretty impressive. Um, figure arts have been doing the Predators and the Aliens for a while now, and this one looks to be one of the uh, the main uh, predators from the first Alien vs Predator film, so probably Scar or, or Celtic. Um, they got that just that little bit more armor than sort of the classic looking Predator um, had in the first two films. Um, certainly a great um, uh, a great sculpt, and the, the mandibles and everything look fantastic, as do the dreadlocks. Um, no sort of uh, mention of price, but they're certainly getting up there as far as the figure arts um, suggested retail prices go. And the aliens look good too. The aliens fit in very well with the mecha ones, but um, obviously that extra articulation generally you know, costs you with the figure arts, and they're sort of up in the $50, $60 mark. But certainly looking very good. Got the, the nice sort of clear dome, etc. Um, they look like they come with stands so you can help them get into those wacky positions. So I wonder how that alien figure will hold up over time. 
Yeah, I mean, they've done a few now. Um, the other thing is that, that NECA have certainly really brought their A-game to their new alien figure with sort of the increased articulation. Um, that's something that they said they really wanted to do rather than just um, tread the same water that they have with their previous alien figures. So, um, you know, I mean, the, the NECA ones are pretty good for the price uh, in comparison, but... Anyway, speaking of our buddies at NECA, um, it was announced as part of the San Diego news that NECA has actually acquired the rights to Planet of the Apes, which I think is pretty exciting. Um, I'm always a fan of Planet of the Apes stuff, um, and probably the, the best news um, that came out of it is it doesn't seem to be limited to a one sort of specific period. Um, so this includes everything from the, the Charlton Heston era um, films right through um, to the most recent um, Rise of the Planet of the Apes and obviously the sequel that's coming up. Um, the only thing that doesn't really mention is the Tim Burton film, um, whether that will actually be included in the licence, uh, which would be a shame because the apes had some pretty fantastic designs. Um, yeah, but, yeah, that's pretty cool. So no, no real um, news on whether you know what scale, but we can presume we'll get 7-inch series. Well... It looks like there's some some hopes. Maybe they do a three and three quarter line. Um, yeah. I was I was trying to prod them the other day if uh, since they have their Simpsons line, if they would do a uh, Doc Brzeas Simpsons. No. <laughs> Planet of the Apes crossover. Because <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> that would be very cool. That would be very cool. Yeah. See, I say it, and, and you, you're already. You'd, you'd buy it. Oh yeah, for sure. So I'd, do it just, I'd do it just so that someone could make a, a stop motion of the um, the song. <laughs> yeah, there you go. See, now now you, everybody's in. Neca, if you're listening, see you got you got sales already lined up. Yeah. Um, and in our last bit of news, also uh, Neca. This one actually goes to um, Randy Falk, who is of course the the main man when it comes to Neca. Um, we talked to Randy back in uh, episode 38, and he was um, absolutely fantastic, a real gentleman. Um, this is just a bit of news to point out that Randy is indeed one of the coolest, if not the coolest dude in, in the pop culture, pop culture industry. Um, and that is because the next series of Aliens 7-inch um, action figures features a colonial marine by the name of Sergeant Windrix. Um, and you're probably sitting there going, you know, Hicks, Hudson, Vasquez, Apone, I don't remember a Sergeant Windrix. Um, and that is because um, one of the, the lead sculptors at NECA is um, Kyle Windrix, and Kyle's uh, brother was actually diagnosed with um, terminal cancer, um, and uh, that's obviously, you know, they're a pretty close-knit family. Um, over at NECA and Randy wanted to sort of do something um, for the family and he basically had a chat to 20th Century Fox and ran a, an idea past them that he actually wanted to use both um, the name and the likeness um, uh, of this person and, and immortalise them as a colonial Marines action figure. Um, and 20th Century Fox, they were very gracious and they said, yep, sure, go for it. So after um, Randy got all the paperwork signed... Um, they did up a, a prototype and presented it to the family, which was pretty exciting. And um, best of all, Kyle got to actually sort of tweak the head sculpt a little bit to, to look a little bit more like his brother. And, um, yeah, I just think that's a pretty amazing story. And, um, yeah, total props to Randy Falk for organising it. 
kind of yeah. cool. Yeah, that's very cool. It is. I, I, you know, between that and, and including like say, a, uh, you know, the the big red, um, you know, predator. I, I, yeah. they, they do a lot of stuff that's just really, you know, above and beyond. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there's just no doubt whatsoever that Randy just loves his job. So, Randy, if you're listening, I take back the bad things I said when I said, you know, make a make a doctor's <laughs> ass. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it from me. All right. Well, right after that, we're going to do some name that and uh, see what the sound was last week. time for everybody's favorite podcast guessing game uh name that and every week i come on i present all the sound and uh you guys guess and last week we had a commercial sound sounded a bit something like this it's adventure beyond imagination danger beyond your wildest dreams and action bigger than you've ever seen before Did you guys have any guesses on this one before uh, before somebody figured it out? No, I have to confess I haven't actually heard it. So full full credit to the person who got it. No, no. Well, I, I got to say that uh, the guy that got it is actually uh, Tom that was on the show last week. Indeed, and it was. He, and he guessed in some kind of fortuitous, weird happenstance that it was Conan, which we were just talking about. Damn it! And. Hmm. and uh, I didn't even know this line existed, so uh, good for him. Oh, you know, I've probably got those figures. Probably. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know it existed. So good job, Tom. I will award you. Actually, I awarded you a point in the forum because you went over to afbforum.com and, and made a guess, and you know I told you you were right right away. So Well done, Frank. <laughs> yeah, great job. And uh, with that, we'll move on to a new sound. It'll sound a little something like this. Now it's a fight with bite and a mass of missiles. That was close, but mighty sword is closer. So and uh, one more time, just because, you know, we want to make sure you get all the possible chances that you need to, to get it. And it'll sound like this. Now it's a fight with bite and a mass of missiles. That was close, but mighty sword is closer. So put the thinking cap on. Yes, put your thinking caps on. And if you got a guess, you know, Come on over to AFB Forum and make a guess. And, you know, if you won't get it right, we'll give you a cut forum point. Uh, if you want to play the picture version, come on over on Tuesdays and Thursdays and play that over at TV and Film Toys. And, uh, you know, you still get forum points if you guess on those. So come on over and make a guess. And that's it for this week. So uh, we will move on to our patented ever ever-wanting uh, rapid-fire reviews. Mego presents the Planet of the Apes action figures. Dr. Zaius, the orangutan scientist. Cornelius, the archaeologist. Zira, the woman scientist. The soldier ape. And the astronaut. 
Planet of the Apes action figures sold separately by Mego. Now it's time for one of our feature segments, Toy of the Week. But this week, Toy of the Week has been overtaken by Rapid Fire Reviews. And uh, in Rapid Fire Reviews, we each get a time limit of five minutes to review a toy. So you get three, three, three toys this week. Um, and the first one is Ben. So, Ben, tell us what you got. Thank you very much, John. Let me just get the trusty timer ready here, and I shall get underway presently. And this week I'm talking about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Snakeweed figure. Uh, This one is from the new animated series on um, Nickelodeon and is from the company of Playmates. Um, I've been picking up this line and thoroughly enjoying it. Um, Quite a a different uh, scale for me. I don't normally get sort of anything in the three and three quarter um, these guys generally fall into the 4-inch um, scale. Now, this figure came out in 2013. I think it was part of Wave 2. Um, you'll generally pick them up. I think they go for around the $10 mark in the US or about $15 uh, in Australia. Now, they come on the standard blister card, um, which is basically not very collector-friendly at all. It is the traditional tear-open the uh, the plastic blister off the cardboard card and um, pull all the pieces out. Uh, this one's actually quite interesting because they've tried to make Snakeweed that little bit bigger. Um, he does actually come in pieces. Now, he comes in pieces because Snakeweed is essentially a giant... Um, snake, plant, mutant, hybrid kind of thing. Um, So he looks like a giant plant monster. Um, Therefore, his rather large legs actually come separate uh, and you actually have to attach them. What's actually quite interesting is um, basically... His, his feet are so big that um, you actually have to sort of click them in. But the thing is, once you actually click them in, I don't think you could ever get them out. They're just done in a way that I just don't think it's sort of friendly um, in, in getting them out. So once he's put together, he's put together for good. Um, so uh, what does he look like as far as sculpt goes? Um, he's actually pretty well done for... These figures are all sort of reasonably well sculpted, particularly for the, the price point. He's actually got his little sort of heart... Um, you know, gem thingy kind of seed um, exposed. Um, he's got a pretty gruesome sort of looking face happening with his eyes at two different sizes. They put some pretty good kind of um, twisty roots into his feet and he's got his claws. Uh, one of the things he does have is several sort of vines that um, stick out and um, there's sort of six of them uh, in total. Um, he comes with a couple of extras. He comes with sort of these two large vines that you can click in his hands. His hands are those sort of big chopping plant type things and you can sort of stick those vines in there and make them as extra weapons or feelers or something like that. But um, uh, that's completely up to you. They do actually come out. His sort of antennae that stick out the top of his head also come separate. I'd say that's another thing where they've tried to um, get him a bit smaller into the, the packet. So... You have to click those and they rotate. Um, he has about sort of 14 points of articulation if you don't count the fact that his antennae move. Just your sort of normal knees and hips. He's got a bit of a twist at the waist. His head does turn, but it's a bit sort of tight. And then you've got your sort of your standard sort of disc shoulders. So there's really not a lot of articulation, but that's sort of typical of this line, though he does have more articulation than most of the figures. 
Um, Colouring's actually not bad, considering, you know, what they've actually done. He is mostly green, but he does actually have some sort of crimson and yellow parts. They've done those and put a, a bit of a wash over them. Um, his chest piece in particular, they you can see where they've airbrushed it and they've used a couple of different colours to airbrush it, so you do get that sort of cascading green effect, which is not too bad, um, highlighting the seed in his chest, but also his eyes and the inside of his mouth. So that actually looks um, pretty good. Now, as far as the um, the extras go, there really isn't much. As I said, there's the, the two vines that come out of his hands. Um, you, know, you could call those extras, I get. I guess, but um, really it just sort of adds to the overall piece. Um, probably the, the only downside to this figure is because of the size and the shape of his feet, um, it, it really does limit the posability. You, you have to be very careful with how much you're sort of leaning backwards, otherwise he'll topple. Um, and the articulation in his knees is effectively useless because you just can't do much with him. So the posability is a little restricted. You get a bit more fun out of his arms. Um, and I think, you know, given the restriction, I mean, his character is meant to be sort of fairly large, but he can be sort of chopped into pieces. So they've done their best to try and get this, what would normally be an oversized figure, into the, um, the line, which is sort of really good. They continue to produce these, these great villains. But um, this is one of the more fun villains in the line. Uh, I really enjoy it. And I'm going to give this guy... Uh, I'm probably going to give him 7 out of 10 dollies, I think. Not bad. Yeah. Not bad. Not too bad at all. And I think that is, I think that is time. Very good. Great job. Yeah, I I haven't watched that cartoon at all, so. Uh, it's fantastic. It is I, I've heard nothing but good things. It is absolutely by an orders of magnitude the best cartoon um, we've seen in a while. It's really clever. Yeah. Hmm. It's interesting that you said that the feet make it an issue when you're trying to pose him because I would have thought that would have given like the size of those feet's pretty big. I would have thought that would have given him almost unlimited provided the feet were planted. Um oh. yeah. Uh, oh, I see what you did there. Nice, nice. <laughs> Look, once the, the feet do give him good stability once you sort of pose him, but then there's almost nothing you can do. Um, you know, it's like wearing these giant platform shoes. There's really nowhere you can move them if you start to sort of move them too much in any one direction that he starts to sort of get a bit unbalanced so once you plant both the feet dead flat that's that's kind of as much as you're going to get okay so so he comes in at about five and a half inches which is not bad in the four inch scale okay there you go that's my rapid fire review well that was pretty awesome and next up we're gonna do adam yes I'm ready when everyone's ready with the timers. All right, I'm starting the timer now. So for tonight's rapid-fire review, I've gone for the Marvel Universe Professor X, um, produced by Hasbro. I believe they released it in 2012. I got mine in 2013. Um, it seemed to take a while before Big Bad Toy Store got theirs in stock. Um, it's your standard 3.75-inch Marvel Universe figure. Uh, which means that in Australia at retail, it probably goes for about 18 or $19 um, compared to the much lower prices that our US friends get to pay. Um, overall, it's a pretty good figure. Uh, you know, it's, it's what you'd normally get out of a Marvel uh, Universe figure. 
Um, so I'll go into a bit more detail on that in a bit. Um, the packaging is the standard Marvel Universe packaging. So it's a, a blister card. It's not at all collector-friendly. Um, this one, because of the way that they've included um, Professor X's hover chair, so his 1990s hover chair, um, has, I think, three layers to it. Um, well, sorry, it, had, it has two trays, essentially, inside of it. Um, which I think was a good use of packaging, the way they've put the chair in there. Um, the chair itself is essentially two pieces. Um, you clip them together. After that, yes, you can take them apart. Yes, you probably will want to take them apart if you're going to try and sit a figure in the bloody thing. Um, <laughs> it's a pain in the ass. Um, the thing that's disappointing, I guess, from my point of view with the chair is um, I think the angle on the front of it is a bit too steep. I don't remember it being or appearing that steep in, in any of the comics or um or the animated series. Okay. Um correct me if I'm wrong. But it, it just seems like it's very steep and the person that would be sitting it would almost be standing up. Um and because it's a hover chair, they've, you know, had to do something about making a, a standable base, so they've basically just put a big black ball on the bottom of it. Um, which I think is kind of rubbish. You know, they've just done it because it's cheap, whatever. Um, equally, they could have just put a, a plug-in plastic, clear plastic stand or something like that, but sure. It, it does look a bit awkward, doesn't it? Like, it, it, yeah, I guess, you know, if you were sitting in a wheelchair, yeah, you, the legs would be sort of fairly flat, but it's, um, it's certainly contrary to how it's been depicted. Yeah, it's not right. Um... It's interesting, some of the detail as well. They've put like an orange wash over the whole thing um, to make it look a bit more metallic because it's cast in kind of goldish plastic. But then they seem to have neglected to put much of a wash on the actual cushioning of the chair. Um, so it's just basically got grooves in it. Yeah, uh, they were probably thinking that, you know, you were going to... Put your guy in it so you'll never see him. Yeah, you'd never see it. Yeah, so that's the chair. Um, Professor X himself, as I've found out, um, through having a bit of a read about it, is actually a G.I. Joe body. Um, in fact, it's such a G.I. Joe body that people have basically pointed out it's a um, essentially the pinstripe Destro jacket um, and I think a, the Destro medieval leather armour or something body. Um, yeah. So it's basically a combination of those two, which, I don't know. I, it's kind of disappointing in a way because realistically... Yeah, I can understand why you've done it. It saves you money, whatever. But now you've got the um, G.I. Joe metal-pinned ball-jointed hips and the um, the screw in the thigh, which, you know, that's the first time I've seen that in a Marvel Universe figure, and it now means that it doesn't blend with the rest of the Marvel Universe guys if I decide to have him standing up on the shelf in a funny pose. So basically condemning him to a wheelchair, um, <laughs> much like, basically every Marvel writer ever. Um, on the positive side of that, though, the jacket's removable, which means you, you then have um, Professor X in uh, a navy pair of pants and a navy shirt with a white collar, which I, I guess is... Well, actually, it's not even that. It'd be some kind of weird jacket or weird... I don't know what you'd call that, because he's clearly got um, white sleeves coming out of the bottom of his... 30 jacket. seconds. Um, 
the other criticism, I guess, against this guy is that the details on the clothing are really not picked out that well. Like, no, there's been no effort to pick out the buttons, no effort to pick out the belt in a different colour. So that's actually quite poor. Um, other than that, I guess it's the... What do I give this as a rating? And I'll probably give it about a six. It loses wow. a lot of points. Very nice. Go. Six out of ten dollies. Yeah. That, that's the I I like this figure much better. I, I think he's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Is that the G.I. Joe influence? Oh, I just I thought he was really well done. I I love the eyebrows. I you know I I don't mind that he's a G.I. Joe body. I, I hadn't even noticed. Well I mean I, I kinda knew, but um I don't mind them mixing and matching, especially on a figure like this that's you know, in a suit. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, if you're not sitting him in the chair, it's more of an issue. Um, I guess it's kind of a the GI Joe body. The fact that they they put no effort really into the costume, like the the costume details getting picked out. The chair is, for all intents and purposes, wrong. I mean, he's sta- sitting in that. He's stand. He's actually taller than I think most of the Marvel Universe figures. Hmm. It it's just wrong. See, I don't mind the chair. I, I like the chair. Mm. It's kind of like a, a Dyson chair. <laughs> Dyson vacuum cleaner chair. Expensive. <laughs> yeah, Only available expensive. from the Shia. <laughs> no, I had got confused when I picked him up because I had him confused with the Mini Mate and I was looking all on the package for the blanket that came with him. Mm. Yeah, well, that's yeah something else I forgot to mention. He doesn't have a blanket. Yeah. Which would also help cover cover the um, screws in his thighs. That's right. Mm. Mm. Okay, so that leaves it all up to me. Indeed it does. Shall I begin the countdown? Yes, begin the countdown. You are underway, sir. All right, I am going to review a uh, Dalek from the Doctor Who Titans line, and I am looking at the drone Dalek, which is the red one. Um, It was made from, I think these are, I don't remember who these are from. They're from Titan Merchandise, so uh, that's the company. They were 2013. Uh, he's about uh, about as tall as a you know three and three quarter figure, so yeah. But he's very stylized, so it's a little different. Uh, right around the ten dollar mark U.S. And obviously these are blind boxed, so they're in little boxes and bags, and you know that's that's what their kind of style is. Uh, they are very stylized. If you're familiar with the Titans, they're kind of in that cutesy vinyl uh, minifigure type look. Very but mm. yeah. But the uh, the Daleks, not as much. He's, you know, more traditional. It, it's more mechanical, so they haven't cuted him out as much. Um, about the only place he's kind of really stylized is his uh, plunger and other weapon and his eye stalker, maybe a little oversized uh, compared to the rest of the figure. Uh, you know, this is the red one, and uh, he reminds me, because he's vinyl, a little of a uh, a dog toy. Um, it's kind of what he feels like, but, uh, you know, the head turns, so you've got a whole one point of articulation. Um, he's really solid though. The base is really, really nice and big and, and solid. Uh, there is a bit of a mold mark on mine, uh, right at the, on the base on the one side. If you display them on the other side, it's not noticeable, but, uh, you know, they did that. And I know they, they did a good job because he's got the little, you know, nodule 
globe things going down the front of him. And they only went three high, which is enough to portray the look of a Dalek. I mean, if you look at him, there's no mistaking it. Um, I think the, the actual Daleks have four or five rows of those instead of the three, but it's just enough to pull off the look and, mm. and, and give it, you know, what it needs. Oh, yeah, I think four is standard. Mm. There's, there's something else that surprised me. There's actually a bit of paint besides the, the black and, and, you know, on the red. Um, for those, there's a little panel on the back, a little access panel, which I don't know what ejects from that, but, uh, I'm not sure I'd want to know what exactly ejects from that. And it, it's painted real crisp and clean. So, uh, and he's got the little white antenna on top. Uh, overall, nice little figure. The eye stock's got a little bit of a, um, yellow glow to it. So, uh, the one thing that's a little disappointing about the eye stock is it's kind of pointed up at an angle. Um, and if you pose him next to the doctor, he's not looking the doctor directly in the face. He's kind of looking above his head, which, <laughs> which is maybe a little, That's little an interesting dis- choice. Yeah. Um, and it's just the way it fits in there. And, uh, probably my only real nitpick other than that on this figure is, uh, the, the accessories. He, he doesn't come with them put into the figure. The eye stock and the plunger and the, the other arm are, uh, separate pieces. And they don't plug in maybe as well as I would have liked. Uh, they're, you know, you can pull them out fairly easy once you get them in. So, uh, you know, that's, that's probably the only other downside I really see to them. Mm-hmm. Overall, though, if you're a Doctor Who fan and you want to have something next to your monitor at work, uh, you know, these aren't a bad choice, uh, for sure. You know, it, it's not quite a, an action figure, but, uh, you know, you, most of the Dalek figures I've seen, you know, go for way more than what I what I paid for this guy. So, uh, you know, not a bad choice. And uh, we'll say for a Dolly rating, uh, I'm going to go ahead and give him the the nine and a half out of ten. Wow. Yeah. Well and truly brought that in under time with 50 seconds to spare. Ha. Awesome. <laughs> well, nice. it's hard. It's hard with a minifigure. I mean, I'm only going to get so far. <laughs> so. Nice. All right then. <laughs> Well, after that, you guys have heard uh, another round of our patented uh, rapid-fire reviews. We will come back with Feeding the Addiction. Spider-Man's getting ready to rumble. Oh no, it's Doc Ock, Venom, and the Green Goblin. Fantastic action coming up. Take that, Green Goblin. Bam! Must get out of Venom's trap. Quack! Time to get out of here. Catch you later, Doc Ock. Brand new Spider-Man action figures. Out now. Well, we're all here because we're collectors, because we collect stuff. Um, I, I think Adam collects coins and Ben collects stamps and, you know, I, I collect dust. So uh, <laughs> we're, we're going to tell you what we collected this week or since the last time we were on or sometime in the last period of time since you heard from us. So anyway, we'll, we'll start with, uh, um, well, we'll start with Adam. I have got nothing. Um, <laughs> there's a big box of stuff from Big Bad Toy Store on the way. Um, didn't quite arrive in time. Sad face. Um, <laughs> I have pre-ordered the the next wave of Marvel Universe, which I assume is the last Marvel Universe wave under that name. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's a bit sad as far as I'm concerned because I, I just have this feeling that we're suddenly going to get hit with wave after wave of shit we've already got. Mm. Um, with one figure that's new, but what can you do? 
Yeah. So is that um, a package that's tracked? Is that something that you can sort of type in and check out where it is, or you just sort of wait? Yeah, I typically use UPS. I'll go back to trying USPS again um, for the next one, but this is UPS. There was a slight issue with um, I didn't get given the UPS number correctly, but that's sorted now, and I can watch where it's up to. Cool. Mm. Yeah, cool. Well, what about you, Ben? What what are you uh, acquiring this week? Uh, I've, I've picked up um, a bunch of the Playmates Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles um, villains. Um, in addition to Snakeweed that I've already talked about, I picked up um, Leatherhead, uh, Baxter, Stockman and Metalhead. Um, all very fun figures and, and welcome additions to that line. Really enjoying them. The problem is now I'm, I'm so sort of addicted to that line that I, I just want sort of more characters and, you know, you just sort of walk into the, the aisles and see the same figures there over and over again. And it's like, but I want more. I want more. Um, do you have them all? I mean, do you have that whole line now? Yes. Yes. So they haven't done that many. I mean, in addition to the, the Turtles, you've got sort of April, Splinter, um, the Krang, Foot Soldier, uh, and Shredder. Um, so and some of the villains. So um, yeah, in fact, the next wave I think has got some variations of the turtle. So I think you'll start to see things slow down a little bit. Um, but in addition to that, uh, just in my usual wandering around assorted forums, I was on Oz Figurama when a poster there was um, selling off some of their figures, and one of the ones um, they were selling off was the DC Universe Classics Nightwing. Um, I actually came in with Wave Six of DC Universe Classics, so I missed. Um, some of those early figures, and I managed to pick up most of them, but Nightwing was one that always um, always managed to elude me simply because of the, the price that he was going for on eBay. Um, and it is a really nice figure. And so this person uh, sold it to me for a really good price, and that's the last single figure that uh, I'm after for DC Universe Classics. I'm now up to date. Huh. Well, good. Yeah, and that's it from me. Well, cool. I um, picked up a couple of Lego minifigures. Which I know is shocking, but uh, I managed <laughs> I managed to find the um, Medusa, which I was looking oh, for. Cool. So, yeah, yes. that was cool, and uh, she's a really cool figure. Really cool figure. I mean, um, probably one of my favorite Lego minifigures out of the the blind bag series. And I also do you go for go the, the whole wave? Like, is that something you actively pursue? Do you try and get them all, or just sort of just the ones you want? Um, more just the ones I want. Um, you know that that's about about it. I I don't really, you know, I, there, there's just some of them that I'm just not interested in. So, hmm. like paintball dude, I he's cool, <laughs> but I, you know, Fair enough. am I gonna spend four dollars on him? Yeah, I'm not really. You're not gonna get the old lady with the you know, comes. With... I I won't guarantee that I won't on that one. <laughs> Fair enough. I do like the welder though. The welder looked cool coming up. So. The the other one I picked up was the um, the uh, I'm gonna call her Paris Hilton for lack of anything better <laughs> the little the little blonde uh, girl and the whole reason I picked her up is uh, she has a little dog with her so ah. I, I really wanted the little dog cool and that was my main main focus and she comes with a a brick cell phone which is huge in scale but you know <laughs> yeah. but that's okay. Actually, you could probably almost use that phone with a three and three quarter figure, and it'd be mm. probably closer. Mm. <laughs> so, and um, this week I celebrated my 
my my thirteenth anniversary with the lovely and very very talented Mrs. Nerd. Yay. So um, she wanted to surprise me, and she had heard us talking when I was recording uh, the the Muppets uh, discussion we had. Um, not too long ago, and she went out of her way and managed to track down a Jim Henson for me oh, from wow. the Muppets line. So, yes, <laughs> I mean, I, I I can't say enough thanks to her, and, uh, you know, that I've got to keep her here because, uh, <laughs> you know, there, there's not a lot of women that would, would, A, put up with a toy collector, and, B, actually go out of their way to find um you know, something that you never thought you'd have in your collection. So That is absolutely outstanding. Yay, Mrs. Nerd. Woo-hoo. Yeah, so she's awesome. Very yeah. cool. So, well, if nobody has anything else to report in, we will move on and award another red card this week. What is this bizarro world? Red card, it is a chance to poke fun at the what the fuck moments in our hobby, whether they're just, you know, uh, failed action figures, uh, unusual or mislabeled packaging or just, you know, something that we just don't like. And this week handing out the penalty is Adam. So, Adam, tell us us about what you got. Well, I um, had a little bit of free time this afternoon when I was doing other chores to visit Toys R Us. Um, so I went and had a look at the action figure aisles because they actually have like one or two. Um, and I came across the three, three quarter inch figures from, um, the Wolverine, which was a good movie, by the way, go and see it. Um, and I was just appalled. Like you remember that scene in, um, hot fuzz where they're talking about the guy walking down the road. Why has he got his hat pulled down <laughs> and, um, says, cause he's fuck ugly. Well, that's what I figure these figures will need. They need a giant hat put over them. They are some of the most disgusting figures you've ever seen. Um, look, you look at the packaging. The packaging has Wolverine in his current costume on the packaging. There's no current costume Wolverine. There's a classic costume Wolverine. There's Wolverine in a wife beater. There's some spasticated-looking ninja. And um, Silver Samurai, who has a monster face in his armor because that's the silver Rush samurai i remember right yeah these are bad bad looking wow figures. These, it's interesting these, these have to be aimed at the lowest of collector i mean this, this is just playing kids things these are these are like yeah. six-year-old kids and and nothing above that but well, i would well, be embarrassed I, to take that to the sand pit right <laughs> i can tell you that i could see gi joe collectors snapping up the ninja I, uh, yeah, I, I can see fodder, especially when they become two dollars at you know some discount yeah. store. Because I mean, you put those in the background of a display. I mean, you could have you know twenty ninjas standing around Snake Eyes or Storm Shadow, and that would look look pretty cool. I mean, you know, if you're just looking for that. Yeah, these are probably what no more than five points of articulation. You're talking yeah. sort of thirty years ago, um, you know, Hasbro type stuff. I mean. At those T-Crotch, you know, we have, haven't seen those since the early Star Wars figures. You know what the Silver Samurai reminds me of? He reminds me of the one uh, Shogun Warrior that had the face chest. Mm. <laughs> I'm trying to remember which one that was. Um, do, you, do you know what I'm talking about? 
You guys don't know what I'm talking about, obviously. I, I will have Arnold see what he can do. Good on you. Good on you. I think what's really also really bad about these is just the um, the tooling. Like, for example, the, the wife beater Logan has longer claws than the Wolverine in costume. Yeah. And they're obviously such cheap plastic that the, the claws almost look like they've been braided. Uh, yeah. They're so bad. <laughs> It's um and there's I mean you get that every now and then with Marvel Universe Wolverine but mm. but there's no additional paint I mean they, these are the cheapest of the cheap like the yellow on Wolverine's costume there's no highlighting there's no no washes of any kind it's it's cheap yeah yep they're bad yeah there we go so, there Arnold you go. provided Arnold provided an image. So does that mean we're awarding Hasbro the uh, red card of the week? I, I think we are. We wouldn't need the what the fugly red card. <laughs> Hasbro's getting quite a wall of uh, of red cards. I I, I think they got. I imagine week. if I imagine if we went to Pawtucket, they have a, a wall of shame, you know, in the corner <laughs> of the office. We'll get that in the mail. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, after that well-deserved multiple fail on multiple levels, we will come back with uh, my interview with Gary Gatso about CoilCon. Spike. And now Spike, or let's see how He-Man lights your... Oh, Spike! <laughs> Skeletor, Spike, and He-Man figures each sold separately. Spike. No one can stop the Spike-studded armor of the mighty spike or Not even me! Porcupine? Not even you, He-Man. is new from the Masters of the Universe collection. Other action figures, each sold separately from Mattel. I'm joined by a really very special guest tonight, Mr. Gary Godso of the What's on Joe Mind podcast. And I've asked him to come along to tell us a little bit about the world of G.I. Joe and especially the upcoming CoilCon. But first, um, why don't you say hello to everybody, Gary? Hey, guys. How you doing? And as you may know, Gary, this is an international podcast. So if people haven't heard of you, why don't you uh, tell people who you are? Well, sure. Well, first of all, I appreciate the uh, intro. As our uh, noted author, James Cavanaugh, likes to say, uh, flattery will get you everywhere. Uh, so, uh, and, and by the way, it checks in the mail. I'll make sure that we get that in the, in the, uh, dropped off immediately. But, uh, yeah, I'm co-host of uh, the What's on Joe Mind podcast. There's four of us, so myself, Justin, Mike, and Chuck. What's on Joe Mind is a podcast pretty much dedicated to the world of G.I. Joe and a little bit of other pop culture and BS in between, but pretty much all G.I. Joe. We've been going strong for over two years now, uh, over a 100 combined episodes, uh, close to my 9 million total downloads, uh, just unbelievable audience, uh, great people. We've had some great interviews. If you guys are ever interested in wanting to hear some good ta- uh, voice talent that have worked with G.I. Joe, such as uh, Michael Bell or Neil Ross or... Uh, you know, Mary McDonald Lewis or even, even more contemporary like, uh, Jason Marsden or Kevin Michael Richardson from Renegades. Uh, check out the show. We've had John Chu on. We're just, just huge fans and we love to share it with the world. And that's a lot about what's on Joe Mind. You can find it on iTunes and you can also find us on our Podbean blog. Podbean is our host at what's on Joe com. Thank you. I, I- that was really concise. It's like you have practiced that. It's, uh, I would imagine. 
I keep I keep being told that I have a face for radio, so uh, I, that just encourages me. Well, you guys even um, did a special live episode from JoeCon earlier this year, right? Yeah, we were uh, actually uh, rather honored to to be asked to to do that. Um, to be honest, uh, we we kind of planted a bug in uh, Brian Savage's ear, and we really expected the answer to be no. And uh, came back, and uh, they said, "Yeah, you, uh, we'd like to have you come up on stage." So we did a kind of a a condensed show. Um, I believe it's special edition number thirty-one. We did post it up on our feed, uh, but it was really cool to have a live studio audience there for a change. And uh, actually, people laughed at the jokes, which that was a payoff. Yeah, I guess you never you never really get to see that or hear that, do you? <laughs> you could only imagine. I think my stuff's always funny, but anyways. <laughs> There's a lot of groaning at Chuck that goes on in the car in the morning. Yes, well, that's actually legit. So, yeah, but it, it wouldn't be the same show without him. I, I oh, absolutely not. I wouldn't trade Chuck for the world. No, no, no. We we tried to trade him. Uh, we've done the old uh, you know podcaster to be named later type trade. Mm, that didn't work. So, and uh, if we tried to trade him for cash, it'd be us trading Chuck with cash for someone to take him. So, yeah, yeah. we decided we'll just hold on to him. I, you were trying to trade him to the uh, the European League, weren't you? Yeah, the European League, and actually we would have come out on top since the euro is still stronger than the dollar, but uh, uh, he's going to get a visa. Yeah, yeah, that's a problem. Yeah. So, um, what kind of got you into G.I. Joe? What what brings you to the world of G.I. Joe? What keeps you interested? Long-time collector, going back to 82. My very first Joe was a uh, HAL laser. Um with a Grand Slam, actually. That was my very first Joe. And also my single pack Joe was a straight arm snake eyes. And it's been, uh, Joe, 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 Joe ever since, despite a small hiatus in college, uh, and high school where, uh, women in class and rock and roll and sports and other things are much more important than Joe. Uh, but ultimately, like all things, we come back to our roots when we begin to get comfortable and, uh, we get little, we get a little extra money in the pocket. And you're like, hey, you know, I want to go back and start getting some of these things I missed. And then you, you find out there's a whole whole community of folks that are doing the same thing you are. And you begin networking. And basically, I have everything I want with G.I. Joe in terms of the collecting-wise. I, uh, I have most of my grails. I have pretty much the entire collection. I have all the current collection. I have some some nice prototypes. But really, it's the people that keep me coming back every year. I keep telling folks that I'd go to JoeCon every year, even if there wasn't a JoeCon set. And some people would just open their mouth and go, oh, why? Well, there's more to JoeCon than just the JoeCon set. As these people that I've run into for the last 10 years, um, like yourself and Justin Bell and Mike Irizarry and Sam Damon and Gary Head and, and James Cavanaugh and John Cremeen and Jay Hunger and all these people that I've just networked with over the years, if it wasn't JoeCon, chances are I'm not meeting these people at all. And that's really why I stay in the hobby is that we have a fantastic fan base for the most part, a very loyal, dedicated fan base. And it's a very down to earth fan base. Uh, you know, we, we, we're just, we're just all seem to be normal guys. And that's what I really, really like about this. Yeah. I, I noticed that when I was at JoeCon, I mean, everybody seemed real, real down to earth. There was no, you know, outrageous personalities really there. Um, not like I expected. In- no, no, definitely not. <laughs> there are some. I mean, our own noted author James Cavanaugh is is known to be quite a quite a card, and and we love him for that. And then, of course, you have other other kind of personalities in the community, such as uh, Mr. Gary Head, uh, the prototype uh, connoisseur that uh, tends to dig into the history of Joe, and you, you got the the community rock star and Justin Bell 
who, who seems to have all these secret industry connections and, and all of the tie-ins with and always the latest news. And you got the guys that, uh, at run his tank, uh, Eric and Fran are just, just good guys in general. And, uh, just, Incredibly normal group of folks, and just great group of folks. You know, I, I I'm a Star Wars collector, and that that's you know a big chunk of what my collection is. And I have to say that the uh, Joe fans have been really welcoming. You know, when I started writing uh, GI Joe reviews on my site, I was really surprised that you know everybody was very friendly and encouraging, and um, you know, for the most part, I, I I think the Joe fans that I've met and talked to and interacted with. You know, they haven't been the internet trolls. You may have a spirited discussion, but they haven't been the, you know, just outright hate and venom you get from some of the other fandoms, I think. Because we can't afford to offend anybody. We need the numbers. No. <laughs> well, that's true. Now, you aren't a 12-inch collector, though. I dabble every now and then. In fact, I'm, I'm sitting here in my uh, my virtual studio. I have a... I have a bullet man sitting over here. I also uh, have uh, one of their backyard... Um, I think a club was kind of piecing together 12 inch figures last year, kind of selling them as they were able to piece together enough parts. I think they call them like the backyard adventurers. Mm-hmm. I have two of them over here actually. And then I also have like uh 12 inch George Bush and the fighter pilot outfit, uh, got my sideshow uh, rock and roll and sideshow general Hawk over here. So I, I dabble, but I'm not a super 12 inch Joe collector. No, that's cool. That's cool. I, I'd love to have some of that older stuff, but that's, that's something else for another time. Oh, since you're you're on kind of an international podcast because we're you know huge in Germany, um, what would you tell people internationally? You know, to maybe look at collecting GI Joe. What 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 do you think would attract people internationally to make them go take a look? Now, starting with GI Joe, it's pretty difficult. Uh, especially international. And, and if you've listened to, we do have a spinoff podcast ba- uh, dedicated kind of to the international world of GI Joe called the full force. And uh, they, they, they are dedicated to the world of action force and action force actually is what made its way over to Germany. And I, I sprechen ein bisschen Deutsch. Uh, I can't go much further than that, but I, I do know that the action force did make its way over there in kind of a watered down form because of the, the anti-Nazi type, because let's face it, the red shadows are <laughs> very Nazi-like. Let's put it that way. Mm. Uh, so yeah, you had to, be, I, I think it, over in Germany and, and, and middle Europe and, or Western Europe for that matter, you, you have to be a, a Joe fan to get into it now because the current product's not making its way over there. And then when you do the, the few ways that you're able to get the product over there is you got to go through eBay and pay Inflated shipping prices. Um, although I will say that, like I said before, the euro is stronger than the dollar, so you guys can buy a whole lot more than I can uh, with your money, uh, provided that you're able to make that work out. But a lot of times, what I pay is kind of what you pay times two plus shipping to get it over there. It really is not much of a benefit. Um, so getting into Joe. Right now for like someone that's like, let's say they're sitting in Hamburg and I say, I want to get into Joe. Ooh, you, you really have a, a quite a challenge in front of you. Not impossible, but it's a, it's a challenge because getting the current stuff over there is next to impossible. But I'm sure there are probably, I don't know what the, I can't remember the German uh, word or equivalent for flea markets or, uh, streets or well, those, their Strassenfests and that type of thing. But they, they very rarely have like toys and stuff out of more. <laughs> Celebrating beer and brats, but anyways, There's nothing uh, wrong with that. That's no, absolutely that's nothing wrong with their, their beer and their brats. But uh, 
you got to find these specialty stores. And my time over there, when I've been to Germany uh, three, four times now, uh, I very rarely ran into those places. And in fact, uh, when I went to a Toys R Us, it was just huge sections of Playmobil and Lego and nothing pretty much anywhere else in the store, if I remember correct. Well, there was other toys, but just overwhelming sections of Lego and Playmobil. Uh, so yeah, you, people internationally, especially in Western Europe, have a, we're going to have a hard time trying to find this because it's either Action Force or nothing. Wow. Because Action Force is probably what's still floating around in your area. And if you want to get the new stuff, everything really just came out here for the most part. Yeah, and you pretty much have to import it then. Yeah, yeah. But I do recommend, uh, since we do have international listeners, please listen to The Full Force. Uh, episode 1 is getting ready to be posted here any day now. So hopefully by the time this is posted, Episode 1 will be up with The Full Force. So we'll have a pilot episode in Episode 1 where you can sit there and veg out for a couple hours and talk about uh, or reminisce on Action Force. Yeah, we got confused with an English podcast once, so uh we, that's kind of a, a running joke we have. But these guys are really English, not... Not, not just, you know, oh, yeah. and like yeah. most of my friends here. So, uh, you know, that, that makes a difference. And I met them. They're, they're real English. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's actually weird because, um, we were talking about Pacific Rim uh, a couple episodes ago and we were talking about accents and I'm getting to the point where I can tell them apart now where maybe a couple years ago, I, I probably couldn't tell you the difference between an Australian and a, an English accent. I mean, they all... well, we've had both on the show. Of course, we had Craig from the Fushcast. Yeah. Quite a bit. And of course, Dave Tree and, and the guys from um, uh, the Full Force who occasionally come on, and yeah, there's a you could tell a difference, but you know if you're, but then again, we also have someone like Chuck who has a New York accent, so well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it brings down the class of the show. I, I'm lucky; I grew up on the Canadian border, and I don't have the uh, the, the Canadian accent still, so you know, I, I'm thankful for that every day. Indiana rubs off. I suppose I've been down <laughs> here. I've been down here 20 years now, so. That's enough. Yeah, I suppose it is. But, well, speaking of Indiana, you have a con coming up of your own here pretty soon, and that's CoilCon. And I've had the luck to go once, and I, I'm planning on coming this year. So um, why don't you tell the folks a little bit about this and kind of what you guys try and achieve with it? CoilCon. CoilCon is the yearly celebration of uh, of the the coil collector club here in uh, western ohio and indiana and then um, also the chicago area of groups kind of getting together for a large celebration that's originally how it started out it was like guy collectors that we've networked with from the area get together the central meeting point we are happen to be blessed with kokomo toys here in our area it's 35 minutes north of my house uh, literally it's five turns of the wheel as i drive there Huh, nice. It's that, it is that straight shot from my house, literally. Uh, that's where we all decided to meet. And, and it started really off as a, a Midwest G.I. Joe swap meet. And we were kind of joking when people were RSVPing for the event that a lot of the people that we were in contact with and were networking with were saying, Hey, come on up. Let's treat it like another Joe Con. Or if you miss Joe Con, here's your chance we can all get together and you can hang out with, you know, Gary for a while. You can hang out with James and see his book or meet Gary Head or just come to Kokomo Toys. That's part of the deal as well. And when we started seeing all these RSVPs kind of come in, it was, we kind of joked and says, that kind of looks like a coil convention mm-hmm. and coil con kind of stuck. And thus the second year it was deemed coil con two. 
officially. Uh, but the coil is a group of GI Joe collectors that have the mutual interest of, of course, of GI Joe in the area that network and help each other, uh, track down the product through the stores, through sightings, uh, through group buys. Uh, there's occasionally smaller meets, uh, by local chapters, such as a Dayton chapter or Cincinnati chapter. We have a very active chapter up in Wisconsin. We have a very active chapter, uh, in the, um, uh, Chicago area, uh, the Indianapolis chapter seems to be the largest where we have the scene to have the concentrate, the largest concentration of people. Yeah. They'll have smaller meets, but really it's the accumulation of all the meets and then the entire year is what CoilCon, what leads up to CoilCon. Uh, CoilCon for the last four years, this year included, uh, will be up at Kokomo Toys, uh, which in Kokomo, Indiana. It's about 30 to 40 minutes north of Indianapolis. Straight up US 31. It's a pretty central location. It's kind of out of the way, but it's not too far where you're going to get lost or you feel like you're out with children of the corner or anything like that. Well, that's uh, as much <laughs> as you can get away from that in Indiana, right? Right, right. <laughs> and, uh, we, we're just like any other type of show. Uh, we'll have dealers there. Uh, we'll have other collectors trading and swapping parts. You'll get a chance to go and uh, get inside of Kokomo Toys and visit Kokomo Toys and see see the the myth, the legend that it is Kokomo Toys. And it's pretty impressive, I have to say. Um, you know, they they had stuff there that I hadn't seen before. So, uh, you know, and it's it's worth going just to see that place because they absolutely there, there is the number of jets they have hanging from the ceiling to just bins and bins and bins of parts and and guns and. You know, pieces maybe that you're looking for. Bring, bring your, bring your, uh, parts, parts lists. Well, and not, and, not just G.I. Joe. I mean, they have, if you're an 80s vintage toy collector. Oh yeah, absolutely. Even nine, you know, 80s, 90s, that's, it should be a mecca for you. Yeah, they, they, they don't have as much in terms of, uh, other, they, well, they do carry it, of course. They're gonna, they have a large amount of Star Wars and Transformers and, uh, He-Man, but it, it kind of depends on how, how those collections kind of come in, but they're always actively seeking the, the, uh, the Joe collections, so they seem to have more Joe than anything, but you name it, over the late 70s, throughout the 80s and 90s toy line, chances are uh, they have it or had it at one point before someone purchased it from them. Yeah. Now, um, you guys actually, I mean, just like, you know, just like JoeCon, you have your own exclusives too, right? Yeah, and it's it is, it's akin to what you see up in Canada for the Canadian convention. Uh, unfortunately, that's, they're not holding it this year. But in the past, what the Canadian convention did is it's made a custom exclusive. And the custom exclusive is just that. It is a custom that is either handmade, hand-designed, hand-painted, hand-put-together, something that still defines a custom and put together in a presentable set. And really, the for us, it started two years ago uh, with the uh, Coil Commando, and that was the idea by uh, Jay Hunger to say, hey, I just want to put together something small, uh, something unique, and, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe a way to put the show, give it a little bit of extra notoriety. And, and just like, uh, the Joe Canuck figure does, or has with, uh, uh, the Canadian convention, if you can ever find a Coil Commando online available on eBay, the darn thing, for whatever reason, goes for over, you know, $175, $200. Oh, that's crazy. That's quite, yeah, exactly. And that's just, uh, that's just from two years ago. Now, last year, uh, we, we ramped it up a little bit and, uh, we came up with the idea of wanting to do, uh, gliders and we decided to do full-size replica, uh, gliders of the uh, the vintage uh, styrofoam gliders 
and we did one for the coil, and then we decided that, that we would do a Night Force glider, and it seems to make sense. The Night Force would have a glider, yeah. uh, and we put that uh, put that set together, and then we brought in an a Joe character this time, and this is probably our only time that we we're going to go into the Joe. Uh, the Joe world to pull out a character because really, uh, you want to stay off certain radar screens if you know what I mean. Oh yeah. And, but Dodger's from Indiana or, yeah, yeah, Dodger is from Indiana. Uh, he is from, um, South Bend, I believe. Did I get that right? Yeah. Yeah. South Bend because I wanted to put a, uh, uh, a clover leaf on him for the Irish and I was told no, I couldn't do that. Uh, but he's, yeah. <laughs> So we we knew that the club was coming out with Footloose and Topside, so you, there was only three Joes from Indiana, so it was nice to have that third Joe. So we brought out yeah. Dodger, and then the the Coil Gorilla, the, the, excuse me, the Coil Gorilla Fighter, which was the the pilot of the Coil uh, glider that we had, and a nice little box set. Uh, it's for static display only. Uh, if you have one and you've thrown it and you broke it, uh, that's on you because we clearly say do not throw. These things will not fly. We, 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 we decided early on when putting that set together that those were not going to fly at all. It was just too hard to try to make them fly. I, I don't think the original one was intended to fly really. I, I, really <laughs> I, I actually had one of those and, um, yeah, it, it didn't last. No, no. And, and the way that, and, Hopefully in the future as 3D printing becomes more refined, I mean, a lot of times when you print something off on a 3D printer, it can be pretty brittle. It's almost like, almost like sugar cubes. Yeah. And it, they, it, it's heavier than normal plastic. The, the clip that we created was identical in every way to the clip that was on the vintage glider. Uh, we had to modify it a little bit. I'll take that back. We had to modify it a little bit for the backpack peg. But in terms of the, the, the clip was pretty much identical, uh, but it was, I, I think twice as heavy <laughs> yeah. and fractions of the order more brittle than the original. Yeah. That's some of that stuff. I mean, it, it really depends on, you know, uh, 3d printers are not created equally. That is for sure. And, um, you know, they're getting better every year and, you know, I, I mean, I've seen them in metal, you know, so it's, yeah, it's kind of well, crazy. This year, we are, um, we, we decided that, uh, we would stay clear of the Joe universe officially, uh, but we, we wanted to do something that was still, still had ties to Joe, but still was not part of Joe, had ties to Joe and still rang true of kind of the 80s lineage. And I'm a big fan of just those 80s super cop television shows or the super, super fighter television shows like, like the A-Team and Airwolf and Knight Rider and all those, uh, Blue Thunder and all those things we watched as a kid. And, and one of the shows that actually did dip into the Joe universe unofficially on the forums, on, on the foral, um, for, geez, Gary can't talk, foreign side of things is Street Hawk. Now, Street Hawk is, if anyone here is familiar with the 80s, they say, oh, okay, I know Street Hawk. If you're not familiar with Street Hawk, Street Hawk was a, uh, a, a souped up motorcycle bike. No, not like chips. See, but it, it was a kind of a, it, it was kind of like a, a take Knight Rider and make it a motorcycle type thing. I don't remember that show. Street. I really, was that? I don't really remember that show and I don't know why. It was only 13 episodes. I believe it was on ABC and it was pretty typical of the time where the first couple episodes were really, really cool and the kids were into it and then after a while it's like, nah. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw the pictures and I'm like, I remember, I can, I can picture it, but I can't remember the show. So I just must have, 
must have been during my time whenever, you know, there was right. really important things in my life. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. So, so what, uh, Fun School did, now Fun School is an Indian company. It's actually the Indian arm of Hasbro. Basically, they, they licensed the Joe brand from Hasbro, the Joe molds. A lot of the molds that got destroyed or lost or whatever since the vintage days and people were like asking, Hey, how come we don't have a two seater sky striker still around? Well, that was pretty much fun school molding the hell out of these things and destroying the tooling. But uh, they, they had a lot of the uh, designs and one of the things they had was the Ram cycle, uh, which they painted black and silver, uh, reminiscent of Nighthawk. Or it's Nighthawk, Streethawk. Nighthawk was the glider, sorry. Uh, Streethawk. And then they would put in a figure, which was kind of a, typically a hodgepodge of parts, and it was always all black, but I believe the, the original one was, uh, mostly Snake Eyes parts. The second one was mostly Target parts. Um, I forget what the third one necessarily was made off of. Sorry, my lack of show prep, I can't recall right now, but. Go to yojo.com, search out Street Hawk, or just do a Google search Street Hawk and type in Yojo, and I'll take you to the various pages of Street Hawk, and I'll kind of show what they are. But I, when I went looking for one, I had a friend and, and uh, contact friend of mine in China that kept saying, when you go to these shows, I'm looking for a Street Hawk. And I said, oh, sure, you know, that can't be that expensive. I mean, nothing fun school really, for the most part, is that expensive. And you go see them, and it's always like $80, $90, $100 to get these things carded. Wow. I'm like, wow, man, these, and, and they're sought after for whatever reason. I thought, you know, it would be cool if we could do something like that for CoilCon. Well, we just happened to run into a, a, a group of the Ashiko bikes and, uh, we did it. We, again, it's going to be kind of a bike versus bike and a glider versus glider like we did last year, uh, a set where we'll have, uh, a, and since Street Hawk is, from India, the, the the Joe design, we decided that we would make the the coil operative Indian huh. from India himself. So he has a removable uh, Sikh turban and all that whole nine yard and very gr- awesome, awesome, awesome head sculpt done by uh, a friend of the group and one of our uh, just one of our huge contributors, Kobe Brown from Maybach Labs. Okay, uh, he just did an awesome head sculpt that it just looks spot on ethnicity wise. It's great. And with the removable turbine, it's just even that much better. So he'll be the, the coil operative, Najaboot, which means serpent ghost in, uh, in Hindi. And he'll have a, a, an Ashiko bike that he'll ride, uh, that will be opposite Street Hawk and, uh, Jesse Mock, which is the character from Street Hawk. And that's this particular figure, uh, will, it's, it is a, a parts from existing figures, uh, slightly repainted. Uh, I believe it will be a new head sculpt also done by, um, Kobe that looks a little bit more like the actor, uh, uh, Rex Smith, uh, very had that kind of the 80s slick back hairdo type thing. And, uh, it'll look, yeah. it'll hopefully reflect that a little bit more and a removable helmet this time. And so uh, there's, there's the set. And I, I think it's going to be something special because we're not, we're not dipping back into, uh, figures that, you know, we're not, it's, it's not a snake eyes. It's not a Duke. It's not a rock and roll. It's not something from the movie. It's, it's something still Joe related and it's something a lot of people don't have. And it's something a lot of people really didn't know about until we brought it to their attention. Yeah. Now a lot of those foreign Joes, I mean, you guys have, have talked about them and, um, you know, I've been some snooping around on Yojo myself and saw some of those and some of them are very cool. Um, you know, not something I'd go track down, but it's just cool learning about yeah. that stuff. And you know how, how Joe was maybe perceived around the world, you know, yeah. at the time it came out. That, it's, it's very cool stuff. So we'll have uh, 50 sets available to purchase wow. um, on the day of the show. 
Uh, the day of the show, uh, is this year, Friday, August, or excuse me, Saturday, August 24th, up at Kokomo Toys. And you can also visit all this at, uh, coilcon.com. We have a page there that will give you all the event details, how to get there. Uh, we have a, a night before event at, uh, Martino's Italian Villa up, up in Kokomo. Everyone's invited. You just need the RSVP on the, uh, I believe the coilcon or, and, Always good, always good to do, uh, let the guys at Kokomo Toys know if you RSVP as well, since they're kind of, uh, honchoing that particular event since they're up there all the time. And, uh, we're, we'll be having kind of a pre-show dinner get together that night, uh, to kind of get everyone into the mood for the next day. Um, we do have a couple special guests that we have coming. Uh, we have Sean Forney, who is a professional illustrator and comic book artist. Uh, currently working on a handful of titles in his own uh, self-published title. Uh, he is a, a big G.I. Joe fan, and, and he'll be there uh, selling his prints as well as uh, doing some commissions. And uh, Ryan K. Borgman, uh, he is the creator of Kaju Chaos. Excuse me, Kaju Chaos. It's a miniature game. He, he, he will have parts to his board game. Uh, available if you want to get on the ground floor of a of a cool board game, uh, you gotta check him out with uh, Kaju Chaos, um, and he'll be actually offering a specially designed uh, 28 millimeter metal gaming miniature of Najaboot, oh, the uh, cool. coil our coil operative, so you can get that for uh, the set. Uh, also there, uh, even though he's part of the coil, uh, he's just uh, kind of a Joe personality in his own right is our own noted author, James Cavanaugh. And he will have his book, The Very Popular RHAC Guide. If you're not familiar with the RHAC Guide, suggest you hit R-A-H-C dot, or excuse me, rahcguide.com and learn a little bit more about it. But basically it covers that era of Joe after it stopped in 94. Uh, up until about, uh, I think what, 2004? Yeah. I think is where it kind of stopped there. Sounds about right. Yeah, and then, uh, he'll, he's actually currently working on his, uh, volume two, as I'm calling it. I called my shot there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the running title <laughs> of, uh, kind of the 25th anniversary and forward. Uh, probably leading up to, uh, retaliation and the retaliation line. Um, also there with the Joe Declassified booth will be our good friend Gary Head. And Joe Declassified is uh, basically a, a group of uh, collectors that kind of pool their collections of Joe oddities and rarities together and share them with the public at large to kind of show the hidden side of G.I. Joe as well as um, make make sure that a lot of the history of the three and three quarter inch line is documented in the same form as some of the rarities, let's say, that uh, you see with Star Wars or Transformers. we got to keep our history alive a little bit, too, and uh, that's what Joe Declassified does, and Gary Head will be there running their table. And then, for some reason, they put me as a guest uh, because of the podcast, but uh, oh, yeah. I was going to be there regardless. <laughs> well, I, I know that the, the Joe Declassified uh, case has had some very, very cool, you know, per, you know production-type stuff. That you just don't get to see any, you know, I'm, I know a lot of people have stuff like that in their collections, but you just don't get to see them. So to get to see them out and, you know, makes events like that even more worth it. So. Yeah. If you're not familiar um, with it, listen at home. I mean, some of the, some of the pieces that you could see, for instance, uh, we've able to come across the original 
three and three quarter inch GI Joe, which was a mock up that Hasbro took the meeting saying, this is how we can turn GI Joe. This is how we can return GI Joe and, and, and make it, make it uh, practical for our day. It was, so we have the original three and three quarter GI Joe. I believe that's dated 1980 on it. So it's well wow. before, you know, the O ring and, and swivel arm and you name it. Um, there is the, uh, the infamous, um, uh, wax sculpt of the, uh, the Rocky head sculpt of the, the Rocky figure that never came to be, uh, because of, uh, Sylvester Stallone and licensing issues with Rambo at the time with, uh, uh between Marvel and, and, and the, the studios at that particular time. Yeah. Uh, so we have that, uh, as well as a lot of pre-production art of concepts that really just were drawn, put down on paper and talked about in, in conference rooms and, and Pawtucket and never saw the light of day after that. And then promptly were, you know, discarded in someone's uh, portfolio collection until it was uncovered when, you know, they started cleaning out a garage or something. Yeah. That stuff's always cool to see. Um, one of my questions about CoilCon, and, and I don't know if you guys do this intentionally or not, but I noticed when I was down there, there was a lot of kids and families and, you know, spouses, significant others. Do you guys, you know, encourage that or do you think that's part of the fandom or? Absolutely, we encourage it. Um, and, and, and this might be a great way to introduce the ladies to, to the, to the Joe fandom. Uh, we're, we're outside. It's basically like a cookout or kind of like a family reunion type atmosphere. You know, it's like a big circus tent type thing going on. Um, it, it's just, it, it will kind of show if, if you have a, a, a wife, spouse, significant other, whatever, that who's kind of leery about this hobby that you're getting into that these are normal folks. We all have wives. For the most part, <laughs> we all have kids for the most part. Uh, and come on down. We're, we're just normal folks. We'll sit there and not, we're, we'll talk about Joe, obviously, but we're, we're going to talk about sports or what's going on or news of the day or what we did last week or, you know, what, 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 how, since Joe Con was here in Indianapolis, maybe sharing, swapping Joe Con stories about what happened in Indianapolis. There's, there's, there's more than just Joe collecting going on here. It's just a lot of camaraderie. So, Spouses, children, are more than welcome, and I, I believe they're going to feel uh, more than welcome to be there. And I think at the end of the day, uh, they're going to be happy that they came and shared in with uh, their dad or the, or their moms or their spouse's hobby, uh, because they're going to have a lot of fun as a result. Yeah, I know. When I was there, it was a little boy there with his dad, and he, his dad was going, you know, hey, I had that when I was young, and I had that, and you know, this character's this, and. And just showing it all to the little boy, and it, it was—it was really, you know, it was really almost touching to watch. Um, and it's nice to see that. Yeah, it's what, good times, definitely good yeah, time. You know, that—that's the thing—is the atmosphere. Even at JoeCon was that way. And um, what what advice would you give to to somebody trying to create a con, you know, for their own fandom, whether it's Star Wars or say Doctor Who or Pop Vinyl or My Little Pony? Um, kind of a local, a local con and, and grow it. What, what advice would you give them? We have really with the coil and the group of collectors that we have, uh, when we, when we, we, we kind of formed, uh, through a little bit of heartbreak when we were, we were trying to, to form a group and it kind of fall apart and we would form back up and, 
we, we learned a lot of by doing. And thankfully, for whatever reason, we were kind of really blessed in this particular area with a lot of people that were really engaged in the community. Whether you have someone like James Cavanaugh doing the book, you had like Jay Hunger, who was, uh, at the, uh, who's been a former, uh, admin and moderator at, uh, Joe Battlelines. Um, myself, who I'm a mod over at YoJo and of course through the podcast. Uh, we have John Cremines who does these, does these awesome, uh, the, or he's the, actually the constructor of the one-to-one snake armor, if you've ever seen that before. Yep. And some of the pictures, yeah. We just really had a lot of these fans that were just super engaged in the community. And so we were able to, to kind of network, put the, put the word out. And then you, you have a, a great host like the guys up at Kokomo Toys and Todd and Amber who are willing to basically lend their front yard out to, to have us come trample it for an afternoon. And it, it really fell into place. I, I think for someone that, that would be looking to do something locally, I think you need to have definitely some, some place that you can meet that's, that's engaged in, in the same hobby as well or shares some enthusiasm in the hobby as well, whether it be a comic book store or a small independent toy store or something like that. Or just maybe what you do is you find a group of guys that, that travel around as dealers to other shows to maybe get together, put their tables together, uh, at, at one centralized point and kind of start a show that way. Uh, and just network, 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 network. Find out, you're going to find out that there are more people not online in your hobby than you are, than they are online. That's, that's the common misconception. Wow. The, 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 the thought is that everybody that's engaged in my hobby is online just like me. No. When you see that guy looking for Joe's or you see that other guy that you don't know, uh, in the toy aisle, if he will communicate with you, cause a lot of times we're, you know, it's a pariah. It's like, it's almost like guys in the restroom when you're in yeah, the toy aisle. You just don't rules. make eye contact for some reason. I, I don't get that. But <laughs> wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Which part don't you get on that? Cause well, I, I, I adhere to not the eye contact in the men's room, but okay. really you're in the toy aisle. I mean, come on. If I see a guy sitting there looking at Joe's, Hey man, what you, you know, how, how you doing? What you looking for? That type of thing and eventually you get in the conversation and you find out he's a lifelong collector he's just not online and he sometimes they're just relieved to know that they're not the only one that has a sickness yeah oh yeah yeah uh so that's that's what a lot of it is is just networking and, and then when you're online is finding everybody in your area and, and just making friends with them and and networking together and doing call lists and email blasts and starting up maybe your own smaller localized web page where everyone can kind of meet but it's a lot of hard work it's a lot of networking and networking networking and networking that's just kind of the bottom line once you get enough group of people together you're going to eventually have the funds and the know-how and probably the 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 people that are more engaged to to start putting together a show and it doesn't matter how big the first show is that's the thing a lot of people think the first show has to be huge i want to say maybe 50 60 showed up to the very first coil con and and a lot of them were just people that we networked with and came up there for the day we had i think we had one of my friends actually flying from out of town that showed up for that um, and the second year we had some other people flying from out of town for it. 
But each year, it progressively got a little bigger. And that's all you want. That's really all you want. You want, if 50 show up for the show one year, you want 75 to show up for the next year. If 75 shows up that year, you want to see about 100 the next one. If the 100 shows up at the next one, you want to It's just get slow progression. Bottom line is, it doesn't really matter how many people show up. It's just, are you having fun? Are you enjoying your hobby? And the people around you having fun and enjoying the hobby at the same time. That's what gets the word of mouth out. See, I think a lot of people miss that point at cons. You know, I think they get caught up in the, um, you know, the exclusives and the, you know, the celebrities and everything else. And, and sometimes it's hard to get past that and, you know, realize it's more about networking and meeting people and, you know, really <laughs> reaching out to the community, you know, of people around you. Right. And I, and I'll be honest with you. I mean, my first con, the reason I went to my first con is so I could get the exclusives. And I, I believe that's really what a lot of people, when they go to their first con, maybe present company excluded, but I think most people, when they go to their first con, are really going there for the exclusives. Once you realize that you're not the only one, there's other people there that talk like you, that have the same beliefs as you, that collect the same thing as you. But hell, you all have something in common anyways when you're there. You all collect G.I. Joe. It's no big deal. Yeah. That's where the networking really starts paying in, and, and that's where – Really, one of the things about Coil Club is, or Coil Club and Coil Con that we, that we talk about is it's basically like a Joe Con, just much smaller. And you, you really had, I don't know about you at Joe Con, but you, you, it's just, it's four days of, of concentrated fun and, but you'd like to have that one more time before the year's up. And that's yeah, kind of yeah. what Coil Con is. Yeah. We'll give you that one more time before the year's up to get together with Joe's and then you wait for the next Joe Con and you can get it out of your system again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely for sure. I mean, we have a couple of local Comic Cons here. You know, we have one here and, um, you know, obviously there's C2E2 in, in Chicago, but, uh, you know, you're just kind of always waiting for that next geek event to happen and it, you know, sometimes it doesn't happen fast enough. Right. That's for sure. Well, is there anything else you would like to tell our listeners about you? Uh, just more about the Coil Con. It's, uh, August 24th. Uh, pretty much all day, August 24th, Saturday, Kokomo Toys. Uh, please find the webpage at coilcon.com, the Facebook page at uh, Facebook slash, uh, I think it's The Coil Club. Uh, but we have all the uh, the Twitter and Facebook links on the CoilCon website, so all you really have to do is just go to coilcon.com. You can find out about this year's show, last year's show, past events, uh, this year's exclusives, it'll take us to, you find links to the forum, ways to contact us, uh, who's coming to this year's show, uh, you, you name it, everything you need to know about coming to CoilCon is, is right there on the page. And that's, I think, your one-stop shop to find out everything that you need to know about uh, the last great show before the, uh, the year is up. And, and it's back in Indiana again. It's kind of the last... Uh... Uh, G.I. Joe hurrah for the year for you guys too, isn't it? Yes, it is. Been, been an exciting year. You had a movie and, you know, you had, uh, Joe Con here in Indiana and now this, now you'll have, now you're going to be dry for a while. Well, that's okay. Joe Con will be someplace else next year and I can actually go there for vacation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know a lot of my Indiana brethren weren't too happy with me in my opinion that way, but. <laughs> well, I, I liked having it here and I, you know. I don't doubt that someday we'll see him back soon. That's just. Yeah. I don't know anything definite. I just know that, uh, uh, based upon when I was talking with the club staff, that they had a really good time at the JW. The JW really does know how to host an event. 
Uh, so I would not be surprised, you know, possibly in another four years or so or less seeing Joe Con come back. It, it seemed to be a nice cross section of folks that, that, you know, were like, Hey, um, you know, I'm able to drive to this one. I'm going to go. And I, I think a lot of people kind of showed up from this Midwest area. Yeah. You know, we're glad to see something not on the coast and, um, some far flung region of the country. So. Well, it's certainly not as hot as hell as uh, New Orleans last year. <laughs> I would imagine that. I would imagine that. Of course, we had snow on the ground a week before Joe Con here, so it was it was close. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I grew up in Michigan, so it, you know, sure. it doesn't bother me either way. But Well, Gary, I have to give you a big thank you, and uh, really, thanks for coming on the show and, and talking some G.I. Joe for us and uh, you know, telling us about CoilCon. I really appreciate it. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me on. You guys are welcome on What's On Joe Mine uh, anytime. Just let us know, and we'll we'll make an opening for you. So thank you very much. Thanks for thinking of us, and uh, good luck with the rest of the show. Thanks, and we'll be right back after this with uh, some feedbacks and close up the show. Anyone for special soup? Oh, no! Raphael's in the clutches of the evil foot flesh-o-matic torture machine! Will the turtle cycle make it in time? Will Raphael be destroyed by the retro-mutagen ooze? Well, I don't know. What a shot! The double-barreled plunger gun saves the day again! And with their retro catapult, the turtles are giving the foot some of their own medicine! Anyone remember where we parked? From Playmate! Before we wrap everything up, we like to share feedback as always from you or with you or from you or however you get it to us. And uh, sometimes it's rocks. You know, it's written on rocks and tossed through our window. <laughs> um, sometimes it's email. And if you want to email us, it, you can email us at podcast at actionfigureblues.com. See, it's so simple. You don't even have to write it down. And if you send us feedback, you might just hear it right out on the air. But what would be really cool is take that email address and email us an MP3 or voicemail so we can hear your voice. Anyway, um, I'm going to read the feedback this week because this is somebody I know. Um, the Eclectic Discussion Podcast uh, with Eclectic, one of the members of Cold Slither. He has his own podcast. I was asking if anybody had any questions, and he asks... Um, when are the Ultimate Cobra Commander and Storm Shadow coming out? And when are the Avengers Assemble toys coming out? And what figure do you want the most? Um, the first two, I think, were kind of more or less at the mercy of uh, Hasbro distribution. Although I'm hearing that some of the Avengers Assemble stuff is starting to leak into stores now. So I imagine those won't be too far off. But yeah, More three and three quarter stuff to clog the pigs. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> You're outnumbered on this episode. I am. I guess we could probably take the what figure do you want the most as we'll take it as what did you see at SDCC that you, what figure coming out there that you want the most? Oh gosh, um, probably top of my list as far as a single action figure goes would have to be the Marvel Legends Batroc. Um, big big fan of Captain America and big fan of most of his Rogues Gallery. So for me, it's Batroc. Uh, as far as statues go. Uh, it would easily have to be the premium, the sideshow premium format Sinestro. I could see that. That's a good one. Hmm. What about you, Adam? Uh, oh, hard. <laughs> um, probably the Dragon Ball Z um, number seventeen as a action figure statue. Site kind of wise, I'd probably go for the J. Scott Campbell MJ. 
Ah, and that's up for order right now from Sideshow. Yeah, I, I just... It would then be a case of whether I want that or whether I'd rather save up even more money and get the um, the the other one. Yeah, well, those are good choices, all good choices. Yeah. For me, um, without a doubt, it's the uh, NECA Simpsons. <laughs> I, I am <laughs> so excited for those. Um, just because, you know, that, that line's been essentially dead and uh, to be able to resurrect it and, you know, add some celebrities to it, I think it's just, just cool. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's effectively just a continuation. Yeah, which is just very, very cool. Um, I, I have questions I need to, to send to Randy and ask because I, I, it, it's just too many and I, I've been trying to, you know, yeah. not ask. But, uh, yeah, I have questions. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Maybe we can so, line them up for the hundredth episode or something. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't mind getting them on just to talk about those because I could probably talk to them, you know, for <laughs> half an hour, forty-five minutes just on that. So, talk to him about that and uh, the new monkeys. Yeah, I think that'll mm. be very, very exciting as well because I, I, I suspect you know, knowing his background and um, like the time frame he he's, you know, a collector from. That I think we'll all enjoy what they got, what they'll have coming forward. Yep. Yeah, very good. All right then. Well, gentlemen, I think we've came to the end of episode number seventy-five. We have. This is it. Time to say goodbye. It's not the end, as as some people alluded to last week. We will be back. (laughs) We will be back. (laughs) We will. We will with more Lego discussions and arguments. Yeah. (laughs) What did you say? Lego, you know, because I'm from South Australia. It's heaps good. Yeah. Well, <laughs> on that note. <laughs> and on that note, we will, we will, um, you know, we will say goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. Au revoir. Bye. Bye. Don't let your snake eyes play with another man's baroness. The Action Figure Blues podcast can be found on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and downloaded direct at actionfigureblues.com by clicking on the podcast tab. If you do listen to us on iTunes, please take a moment to leave a positive rating and review. We also have an active fan forum at afbforum.com where you can join in with all of the hosts of the podcast and many other collectors to discuss news, new releases, old lines, and engage in trades and sales in a safe community. Please join us there. While you're at actionfigureblues.com, please don't forget to check out our sponsors like Mike's Comics and Stuff, ShelfLife.net, and the Pop Culture Superstore, who help keep our site running. You can also find us on Twitter at AFBlues and on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash actionfigureblues. Thanks for listening. 